0: and on your gates. And that's where, again, where that thing came from, but I saw, that's where it came from right here, that instruction to do that, as a reminder. every time you walk in and out of your house, you're reminded, you know, that the Lord our God, the Lord is one, okay? And all these verses say, say it too, on Isaiah 43, 44, all through Isaiah, it talks about that, we won't turn there on those, but what, what it is, again, remember, Deuteronomy The book is what records what Moses taught the people just prior to them going across into the Promised Land. Okay, And so these are last-minute instructions, and in these instructions they repeat the Ten Commandments, they repeat a lot of the history, the law, and some of the statutes. And what a major theme is, and also is in Isaiah, is the fact that they're going into a pagan land. Now, the paganism at that time... Atheism was not an issue, but polytheism was. Most of these pagan cultures were all polytheistic, many gods. Many, Egypt's that way. The paganism is all the pagan lands were that way. There wasn't, atheism was really kind of unheard of, uh, unless you were just, I don't know, just unheard of. But the biggest uh, uh, temptation to Israel. Was to get into idol worship, and they actually did. We can read through their history; they did, and it caused them great devastation. So that was the the big false doctrine of this day was polytheism, multiple gods, worshiping the one true God. And um, so, now, next point in our outline: one God, yet a plurality of persons. The name Elohim in the Hebrew, translated God, is in over 90% of the times the word God appears in the Old Testament. Elohim is in the plural form and could be translated God's. It generally isn't, but it could be translated God's. And then we'll notice, we're going to look at some of these passages. Elohim, while being in the plural form, is most often used with singular verbs and pronouns, thus conveying the unity of the one true God and yet allowing for plurality of persons. Well right here in Deuteronomy 6:4, Hear O Israel, the Lord our God Elohim the Lord is one. See so here's one here's a case of it right there where Elohim, a plural form, is called one. Let's look at Genesis 2. Some passages we're familiar with here. Genesis 2 verses uh, 2 and 3 And, and by the seventh day God God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. Again, that word there, God is Elohim. Then God blessed the seventh day and and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which Elohim God had created and made. And just you just keep reading and all the words for God all throughout this are uh, even verse 18. Of chapter 2, then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Again, God, and all, all throughout it. And then I'm going to drop down, I'm going to do Romans 6 4 with this there. I'll skip Jeremiah 10 for now, and then drop down to the next point that both the unity of the Godhead and the plurality of persons are presented in Scripture. So this, we're in Genesis. Let's back up to chapter 1. Verse 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the things of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Again, the unity, one God, yet... Here again, he's referring to himself as plural... plural. Who else is he talking to here? Yes, yeah, you got the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's, what, that's where the us comes from. That's who he's communicating with. Some say, oh, that's the angel." The angels had no part in creating anything. They're of the created. They're not part of the creating class. Okay, they're like us, they are part of the, that which was created by God. And we move on now Genesis three twenty two <clears throat> and twenty three then, then God made garments of skin God is, well, he made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them, and the Lord God said, Behold the man has become like one of us, again, knowing good and evil, and now lest he stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and and eat and live forever so in other words therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken alright then we'll go all to Genesis 11 and we, that should suffice this 11 7 to 8 again <clears throat> come let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not under, may not understand one another's speech, so the Lord scattered them from abroad from the from there over the face of the earth, whole earth, <clears throat> and they stopped building the city. Again, that's the Tower of Babel. God again addressing God addressing speaking with Himself as an as us, and we'll notice too that um, uh, back in all, a lot of these passages. Um, Earlier we've seen, let's look at Genesis, we're in Genesis, let's look at Genesis chapter 28, we're very close. I made the point earlier, but didn't stress it enough, I don't think. Genesis 28, 13. But then the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, the land of which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Okay, again, Elohim, I am the God of Isaac. I, singular, not using us this time. And most often, when you see, often when you see the word Elohim, it's going to be given with a singular pronoun because God is one. But every now and then, we see that point where he he interjects us, and those passages I shared with you is it. <laughs> Basically, those are the ones. Those are the ones. Those are the only ones, really, that are in Scripture that the uh, the plural the plural uh, pronoun is is used in conjunction with Elohim. Now, to the Trinity itself. Any, any questions on this? I think it's pretty self-explanatory, and it's so clear in Scripture: the Lord is one. Period. One only. <clears throat> because, like today. Jewish critics and the critics in Islam say that the doctrine of the Trinity teaches there are three gods. And it does not. It does not. Okay? <clears throat> now, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at the Trinity as seen in the Old Testament, which is not a bright light. There's, this is it. What we're going to look at, and then we'll start with 2 Samuel, Chapter twenty-three, verses two and three. I can definitely see how the uh, Jewish people did not see this, especially when you consider that the emphasis on one God, one God, you know, idol worship, you know, bad. I mean, you just you can see how they've been pounded in. Plus, after all the judgments they went through by God to learn that you, you worship only the one true God, you can see how they would shy away from anything to even look like uh, polytheism, paganism. And so I, I understand them not getting it. Um, but Verses 2 and 3 of, <clears throat> of Second Samuel 23. The Spirit of the Lord spoke, spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said... The rock of Israel spoke to me, he who rules over men righteously, who rules in fear of God. And that's the the Spirit of the Lord, verse 2, spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, that's the Father, the rock of Israel spoke to me, he who rules over men righteously, he who rules in fear of God. So you so see you have, but again, see how that, you could not make a case for the Trinity just on this one verse, and that's as close as you get, or, or like this one, and Isaiah 48. So you can it, you can kind of see that there's an allowance for it, but it's very difficult to see the old the, the Trinity in the Old Testament. Let's look at Isaiah 48. 12 through 17. Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. Surely my hand founded the earth, and my right hand has spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand together. Now there we can see God, as in God the Father there. We see like in the beginning God created the heavens and earth. And so verse, we we'll just keep reading. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him, and he shall carry out his good, good pleasure on Babylon, and his arm shall shall be against the Chaldeans. I even I have spoken indeed, I have called him, and I have brought him, and He will make his way successful. Come near to me, listen to this from the first, I have not spoken in secret from the time it took place. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> I was there, and now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. See that? The Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who who leads you in the in the way that you should go. Once again, it's very difficult to make a strong, hard case of the Trinity strictly out of the Old Testament, but once with the New Testament teaching, you go back and say, ah, okay. And then when you got all the different teachings about the Trinity, it's tough. But you go back and there's isolated passages all old things are called the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God, you'd see that, and they just take well that's just God speaking in another way. Th- that's what they'll say. But you know, but without the New Testament, you can forget really it, it's very very you couldn't you could not prove it to a skeptic from the Old Testament only it has to be it's definitely a New Testament doctrine it's got to be it's got to start there and then you go back and kind of put things together does that make sense uh, as far as I know and believe the holy Spirit is a piece of God it, it, it's hard to understand the Holy Spirit because it's like is that I, I seen in the scripture somewhere it said it was like Jesus' spirit, but I don't know. Yeah, the same spirit, and it's because remember all three are one, and hopefully right, we'll see that right. more as we go through. Matter of fact, our next pat our next section here is we're going to see where the Trinity in the New Testament, where the Father is called God, the Son is called God, the Holy Spirit is called God, but the Holy- but, but then we keep in mind there's only one God. Conclusion: the three of them together are the one God. See, right down here. then you're getting it. As far as understanding how it works, forget about it. I mean, you'll be you'll be you'll be under the pew with a migraine, reciting the Hebrew alphabet backwards. Well, that might be fun. that could be fun, but um, <laughs> arduous at the same time. <laughs> but no, no, you, you see what I mean? Because it's yeah. it, it's one of those that weakens. And there's only one reason I believe in the Trinity is because it's taught in Scripture. It's not because I understand how it all works out. I can see it in Scripture, but I don't fully like, you know, three, yet one. I don't know what verse, but it says, God says, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your you can't understand so Exactly like that. and that would be a good verse to look at because this is this doctrine definitely falls under that definition <laughs> Okay now let's look at New Testament under the next section there the father is called God from Matthew 27. And this, this, what we're going through here, pretty much slam dunk, but we're going to, we want to, Matthew twenty-seven, forty-six says, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out <clears throat> with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Again, Jesus calling out to the Father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 17. This is... <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, John chapter 20, verse 17. Po- one of the post-resurrection passage. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father, and your Father, and my God, and your God. See that? So there, the Father is definitely identified as being God. Well, what about the Son? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Well, we're in John chapter twenty. Let's look at verse twenty-eight. Remember when Jesus appeared to the disciples one time when Thomas was not there, and he doubted. Ah, uh, says, "If I, when I see it, I can see the marks, touch those marks, and, the, and put my hand in those holes, then I'll believe it." Well, for Thomas, seeing was believing, and. <clears throat> And Jesus went to him and said, okay, you reach your finger out in, in verse 27 and reach out with your hands and reach there for your hand and put it into my side and and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Some Again, the critics say, well, he was just making an expression like, oh my God, not saying something like that. No. No, 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 no. That's not... No, he was making a declaration. He was making a declaration. He says, My Lord and my God. That's a big statement. My Lord and my God. That's like a double statement. He's identifying as God and his Lord at the same time. Which is the proclamation every true believer makes. You know... um, if someone says, "Well, if someone you know rejects him as Lord or God," that's not a true believer. That's not a true believer. So Thomas was making, and then John one uh, one we're very close. Again, very famous passage as part of those uh, when you're talking about the deity of Christ. Um, and next week we'll be going into the doctrine of Christ following the trinity we're going to the doctrine of Christ it'll be the next one we go to in our theology series here John 1.1 in the beginning you say well in the beginning what's that well in the beginning of time was the word in other words in the beginning when creation happened the word was already there that's what's being stated and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as we read further through John chapter 1, the Word can only refer to one person, and that's Jesus Christ. Just in the context of John chapter 1 and the entire Gospel. Now, the Holy Spirit. What about the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 5. And there's much that more we can say about the Son, which we will do hopefully beginning next week, Acts 5, about the Holy Spirit being God. Acts 5, verses 3 and 4, classic passage here to prove that Scripture teaches that the Spirit is in fact God. But Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have con- conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Can anything be more clear? I mean, that, if that was the only passage in script about it, this, that's clear. That's perfectly clear. Again, that was you know Peter speaking as an apostle, speaking in a position of authority, but if you follow this story through, boom, you know Ananias uh, assumed room temperature that day. Okay. Now second Corinthians, another second Corinthians 3:17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord is spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And you'll see a lot of those names. You'll see the, the Holy Spirit uses the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. You know, And it makes sense, because they're all, remember, all three are one. We'll keep, keep that thought in mind, we'll keep moving on. The next one is that all three persons raised Christ from the dead. Huh. That's these are when you're reading, these aren't contradictions, because all three are one. Three persons, one God. They're not totally devoid of each other. Okay. <clears throat> well, Acts two four. Excuse me, Acts 2.24. Acts 2.24. And that's Peter's sermon. And in God raised him up, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in the power. And then it goes on, and you you keep reading through this next one, it'll show how the Son is God also, just by keep reading. So right there. God raised him up, referring to Christ. And then John 2.19, about the Son. John 2.19. John 2.19 says, Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, referring to his body, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it. Yeah? God raised him up. I raise it up. The Holy Spirit. Romans eight. Romans eight eleven. And again, it's tough in with human reasoning to rationalize this, how it actually works. And like I say, the reason I believe it, because Scripture teaches it even though I do not fully understand how it all works. But it does work, because I'm reading it does work. (laughs) Okay? So, 8.11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. See that? So... The Father raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus rose, raised himself from the dead. And the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. Well, because all three are the one true God. Okay? And in that, we just kind of saw it here in 8.11 a little bit, but all three persons indwell believers. All three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit... Indwell us, all of us as believers. Look at the Father, verse uh, Ephesians four, six. I try to get some of the clearer passages on this to read. And this this section in here is actually speaking about the unity of the Spirit. And Ephesians four six says this. We have, speaking of us believers, we have one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. All, He's in all. Colossians one twenty seven. Colossians one twenty seven about Christ, the Son. Colossians one twenty seven says. To whom God willed to make him known, what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit. We're in First Corinthians, and then go. Let's move to six nineteen. Close. I should say we're in First Corinthians six nineteen. probably heard this a hundred times. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God that you are not your own? And the whole purpose of that teaching is uh, that, hey, you're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, he's the dwelling place of the triune God. Therefore, it might be nice if he didn't use the dwelling place of God to sin with. <laughs> That's the whole point of that First Corinthians chapter 6. There's another one, John, that's not on our, our notes, but John seventeen, that great um, <clears throat> high priestly prayer. And here it has the Father and Son it's about um, unity it says I'll uh, pick it up in verse seventeen twenty, John seventeen twenty. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who, who believe in me through their word that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also may be in us, that the world may believe that you did send me. So again, there's one that says the Father and the Son phew, together, and Christ praying for that unity, and uh, <clears throat> again, and we know the, that's true of the Holy Spirit as well, but uh, again, it it's an amazing thing when you talk about it, that, The triune God actually dwells in us. You know, it's not just the Holy Spirit, and I don't mean to say that in any kind of a demeaning way. It's even more than that. You know, it's just, it's the Father, Son, and Spirit in us. And um, it's just an amazing truth. Now, we've seen already, I don't know if we need to look there, but all three persons, well, let's look there very quickly. Um... All three persons active in creation. Genesis chapter 1. You can go there because it's very easy to find. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. (laughs) In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So they had Elohim, God. Most people take when you, God, they apply those truths to like the God the Father a lot, although we know that the triune God is there too. It's also, okay. And then, but there, <clears throat> the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So he was doing something, moving over the surface of the waters. Now, look at verse 26 in chapter 1. Where then God said, again, we read the word, let us make man in our image. Okay, again, Elohim, the plurality, let us make. And now, we've already seen the Father and the Spirit. Let's go back to John chapter 1. One of those great, I like to call it New Testament chapter 1s. John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1. Revelation 1, that speaks so clearly to the deity of Christ. John one three says, All things came into being, and this is speaking of the Lord, by Him, that's by Christ, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Is that pretty clear? Yeah. What you're saying is, if it was created, Christ created it. In the beginning, God. See the connection there for the deity of, of and in Colossians 1:16, always in this time frame where people are extremely confused as to uh, who's in charge of the climate. I like to go to this one. Colossians one sixteen, <clears throat> Again, speaking of Christ, it says, "For by him all things were created, both in the heavens, and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, referring to angelic beings. So, again, angelic beings were created, not part of the creating force, okay? They're part of the, that, that which was created. And it says, all things have been created by him, and I like this, and for him. We talked about that a little bit in our eschatology thing, when Christ comes back to rule, What's He going to rule? He will be ruler over His creation. They were created for Him. By Him and for Him. Alright? <clears throat> in verse 17, I always like to interject this one. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, or exist, or consist Okay? Um, and uh, see, this to me, a lot of this climate nonsense is the arrogance of man speaking. That man thinks, oh, we're, we're controlling. And it's up to man to fix this problem. <laughs> oh, stop. Who's in control? Read your Bible. Who's in control? God's in control. I'm not sweating this stuff at all. The only nice problem is, it. anyway, I don't want to get uh, well. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, you don't know how hard it is to keep quiet I'll tell you the next section all three persons <laughs> are involved are on page two here in, in all three persons inspired the writings of scripture let's start here in our outline with 2 Timothy 3.16 very <clears throat> popular and often quoted passage of Scripture, which for good reason. <laughs> 3, 6, 2, 2 Timothy three sixteen says, All scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and righteous right, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. All scripture inspired by God. Now, first Peter the sun has something to do with it as well. We're here, look at first 1 Peter 110 and 11. First 1 Peter 1:10. 1. And to this salvation the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry seeking to know what, pers- what, what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. The Spirit of Christ. That's actually more to the Holy Spirit there, but this, but in link, the link there with Christ, with the Spirit of Christ. Another really a, a term for the Holy Spirit. But let's look at, that we're so close, let's back up a little bit to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews one one and two, <clears throat> God after He spoke long ago to the to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us <clears throat> in His Son. The actual that His if you have is, is seen in italics, that means it's an it's an addition for clarification. But it could read in Son, and who is the Son? The second person of the Trinity. Okay, Father, Son, Spirit whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he has made the world. So again, it talks to him about being creator, it talks to him about being the author and giver of scripture. Let's face it, we read the uh, read read through the four gospels and uh every time you you read him speaking, that's that's God speaking. That's the word of God coming right out of his mouth. And then too, the Holy Spirit, and we know that this, this is a very good another good second Peter so we can just forward a little bit. 2 Peter 1 verse 21 <clears throat> and this is another one you've, you've heard before. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Again, moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And then finally our last section, the Trinity, and we've already read 2 Samuel 23 2 to 3. Let's just stay right here and let's start back up to Matthew. And we're going to see the Trinity actually being revealed as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is a great one to go to to look at people that at least accept. Of course, Jews and Islam do not accept the whole. Do not accept the New Testament. The Jews don't, obviously. Islam says, "Oh, all your New Testament—it's all been corrupted—and only that stuff that's recorded in the Quran, in in the American version—is that's the only piece you can trust." Which is kind of goofy. I think you covered that the last time, where, uh, but then again, you got to you got to speak it. In Arabic, and that's if you if you put it into English, all of a sudden, oh wait a minute, <laughs> it's no good anymore. I find it interesting how they think it's corrupted. It's like, so you think God can't preserve His own message to His people, and He just lets it get thrown about however we want it to be done? Yeah, because see, they play. Actually, they they do believe that because yeah. they believe Jesus is inferior to Muhammad. And obviously, his apostles would then even be (coughs) inferior, even again. So that's where they're at because they've got their, they've got their God. And you know, the times I things I kind of kind of make me shake a little bit when I hear people like, "Well, you know, Christianity and Islam, we believe in the same God." No, we don't. No, we don't. (laughs) No, we don't. No, Allah is a totally different God, a made-up God. Now, they use Old and New Testament to teachings, find their way, perverted teachings, find their way into the Quran, but it's not the Word of God by any stretch of the imagination, even though some of it sounds close. Uh, Matthew 3, 16 and 17, we're at the baptism of Jesus, and after being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the waters, and behold, the heavens were opened, and I saw the Spirit of God. Descending as a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Call time out on this one. Well, we have Jesus coming up out of the baptismal waters, and we've got the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, coming down as a dove would come down, not necessarily. Looked like a dove, but as a dove would come down, and then a voice speaking from heaven about Jesus saying, "This is my beloved son." I'm going to take a wild guess and say that's the Father speaking. <laughs> I mean, call me crazy, but I. This is my beloved son. In Father, Son, Spirit, it's all there. It's, it's a. I mean, to me, this is, this is the, the barn burner passage, right? You just have to reject that passage to not see it, to not see it. And then um, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Twenty eight nineteen says Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name singular of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I think that's very interesting. If if it's not important, why bring it up? Why not just baptize them in the name of God, if that's all there is to it? You see what I mean? So is that Probably where some of the Catholic uh, prayers come from, where they say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at the end. Oh, that is, oh, being a Catholic, that's where they do the sign of the cross? Yeah. Yeah, in the name of the Father. They believe in the Trinity, give them that. That's good, that's right. They believe in a lot of stuff that is good and right. The downside is, it's that extra stuff they interject to where you've got faith, Great. Just stop, but they don't plus works you're Jesus you're... you know, and that's and that's where the, that's where the error comes in you know well, one of the errors come in it's 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 a it's a it's a works righteousness, and then there's all kinds of most like you know watching football yes college some college games yesterday okay. <laughs> There was a bunch of them. well, they were doing. They were they were meeting at. They were doing a, a thing at Notre Dame, and they've got a st- statue of Jesus, which, uh, or a, a, a kind of a mural, kind of of Jesus, with it with his hands like that, and they they, they nicknamed him Touchdown Jesus. I went, oh. see that that's blasphemy, folks. Come yeah. on, that's that's, yeah. you know. Jesus is written for our yeah. uh, team. Yeah, you know, going in an Old Testament thing—that's just not kosher. <laughs> just, but uh, no, you, you, but see what I mean, though. But see, I just couldn't say stuff like that. You know what I mean? that's just—that's no. And when you know who Jesus is and what He did for us, I can't make a joke out of this. This There's is not—that's no not funny. There. It's not clever. None. You're right. No respect whatsoever. And then Luke one thirty-five. <clears throat> these great christmas passages and well that's going to be here before we know it <laughs> Luke 135 it says in the uh, <clears throat> the angel answered and said to her the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high most high what god will overshadow you and for that reason the holy offspring that's the baby, shall be called the Son of God. And just that title, we'll see that in lessons to come. The title, Son of God, is a statement of deity. And the Jews knew that, because why did the Jews want to stone Jesus? Because by making God your Father, you make yourself equal with God. I mean, what's that, John 5.18, I think. And... um, I don't see too many things forming. There's not many more out there than there is in here. Um, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 13, 14. This is This is a good one. I sometimes pick this as a doxology every now and then for the church service because it shows forth the Trinity in it right here. <clears throat> in this doxology, Paul writes to the Corinthians, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God... And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I think that's a good place for us to close right here this morning. That'll be our doxology this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, even for these difficult doctrines for we humans to get our minds wrapped around. We know it's tough. But Lord, we thank you that the revelation is clear. And Lord, even though it's difficult to understand how that works out and everything, Lord, I'm just glad we don't have to. And Lord, again, we just thank you for it and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.